Welcome everyone to Bitcoin Expat Stories to the fourth episode. With me tonight, I have a friend of mine called Fred, also known on Twitter as Praban. He's uh, the owner of Gentlefish Management, which is a property uh, management or and uh, property acquisition marketplace in Port, based in Puerto Escondido, Mexico, where you can buy property with Bitcoin. I'm very excited to have Fred because he this is a service that really interests me that I have many people that I have been asking me questions about. So I think everyone's going to be excited to to listen what he has to say to us. So welcome to the podcast. How are you, Fred? Hi, uh, Gustavo, and uh, thanks for having me uh, today on your podcast. Uh, pretty excited uh, just to uh, touch base and uh, share about uh, what I'm doing uh, here in my little uh, part of uh, Mexico. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for joining me, and uh, I'm I'm very excited to 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 hear more about this. So, let's begin. Just uh, maybe you can share with us a little introduction about yourself. Uh, just something basic for people that don't know you. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, well, basically, I'm a French Canadian. Uh, I'm uh, early thirty, and basically, I've been uh, let's say playing around uh, Bitcoin uh, pretty much full time since 2017. And uh, since that moment, I think it pretty much uh, changed uh, my vision about a lot of things. And uh, that uh, eventually, I guess, uh, led me to uh, leave Canada and come to Mexico to uh, kind of explore a new life, maybe embrace a bit, uh, let's say, more freedom and uh, just uh, exploring things and trying new stuff. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, there you go. There goes my first question. I wanted to ask you uh, if, if as as comfortable as you feel to share, uh, how was your introduction into Bitcoin? Like, how did you get into the the Bitcoin world? Uh, the first, the very first, let's say, uh, real introduction. It was in Vietnam, actually. It was a Bitcoin cafe, uh, basically, uh, just from the name Bitcoin Cafe, and they were selling Bitcoin at the ATM there and stuff. And uh, I kind of got some very quickly and like uh, it was a first touch. But then from that moment, I didn't actually think about that and those Bitcoin for uh, it was like late 2016 at that moment, like turning 2017 when I was in Vietnam. And then uh, it led uh, down to uh, to more uh, later in the year when I was working uh, in Australia on the island. And, the, and there was this French guy. We were like uh, trading uh, forex and stuff uh, really just uh, really just amateur just for fun and then uh, basically uh, he was like oh this bitcoin thing and like he really started with this and then uh, from that moment i just started to buy a little more in there here and there and i joined twitter at the same time because i kind of noticed uh, this is where the action was happening and from there it's pretty much like uh, a full journey a journey right like uh, from shit coining to doing bunch of stuff to coming to the realization that at the end of the day like bitcoin is it's bitcoin and like uh, it's beyond like uh, what it is as money and stuff like that it's also what it it's uh, the the like the political statement that it is uh, which i think is also very interesting and all that and that's that's really what carries me through all the ups and downs of the price and uh, uh, through all these years because i've seen a lot of people come and go and ultimately like sticking around and just like doing let's say a business uh, or just kind of a way of living that touch uh, base with bitcoin on the daily i think it's uh, it's really like 
what I'm about like uh, these past few years and now pretty much my journey uh, I've been uh, in that sense. Right. Okay. So if if I understood correctly, you were already, you said you went to Vietnam and then to Australia. So were you always like a nomad or were you always traveling around the world? Uh, basically, uh, I have I have always wanted to travel, but at that time, when I was, I think at the time I was 26, exactly, uh, it was my first uh, big trip. Like I, I have been to Mexico when I was younger in Costa Rica in the uh, United States, like on the East Coast, like for summer vacation with the family, like a bunch of time. But like really like traveling, like backpack and like a bunch of different cultures and stuff. It was the first time at that time. So it was kind of a boom, like not just in terms of discovering about Bitcoin, but it, it was also like a part of my life where uh, a lot of things change in a way, right? Right. So yeah. like like what it happens yeah, when you travel, right? A lot of people, things about you change. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's about like exploring uh, yourself and other countries. And like, so basically from that moment, I have been pretty much a digital nomad since ever since. And basically, since that moment, which is basically 2016, I've been pretty much traveling all the time uh, up until now where I settle in Mexico. Okay, okay. Uh, just, if you don't mind, uh, maybe turning off your camera so that we can save data. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, uh, okay, awesome. Uh, that's it. Awesome. Okay, so so what, what, uh, what made you... Are you like a... a a permanent expat like do you live in mexico or do you like consider you you're, you're still traveling or you're going back to canada you're, you're still just in a you're, you're ultimately going to go back to canada how how would you describe yourself in in that regard um in the moment i was well legally speaking i am a temporary resident in mexico so i do have my my temporary residency uh, so that's for four years. So for the time being, I'm a resident of Mexico and I'm, I'm basically building right now for with kind of an uptick of like at least five to ten years. So I'm kind of building or trying to build a new life here in Mexico uh, for now. And uh, pretty much I see how it goes. And as much as uh, I think as I enjoy what I'm doing, and I enjoy the place and I see that there's also a potential for growth. I think it's uh, really uh, the kind of things I'm looking for. After you mean traveling, I, I always like to travel. So maybe I will escape uh, one month or two because uh, I usually do like, I try right. to do like regularly now. Like last year, uh, my wife and I, we went to uh, the Balkans. So we, we did a few countries over there, uh, kind of escape like the, the low season here in Puerto, like the the, the more, let's say, boring uh, world, right, uh, right. month in a way. But Otherwise, we're we're pretty much uh, settling now in Puerto Escondido. So that the goal is really to build something here for at least the the medium term, right? Right. Okay. Uh, so kind of a similar thing as as me. So why what what made you choose Mexico or Puerto Escondido in and specifically? Uh, did you also consider other places before coming here, or was it just coming here directly? Mm. That's a good question. Uh, the thing is, like, Puerto Escondido, the way it happens is that it, back in 2019, my wife and I were looking for a place to actually just do a, a real estate business, basically uh, renting places, a bit like, like I like to call it uh, the Airbnb dream, right? And, right. like, we were looking for a spot, and then 
also my wife wanted to build like uh, those uh, kind of uh, earth ship uh, construction and stuff and rent it so it was like maybe before we, we build something and we rent it and stuff like that what about we try to do the business side of it like just rent place and see just that that aspect like do you like that and stuff like that so and she, she we were looking for panama actually and then she came up with Puerto Escondido in mexico and i've never heard of the place like because i'm not a, a surfer myself well I, i mean i do surf once in a while but like i'm not a surfer so like i'm not following these these things and like i didn't know of the place but then we we, we arrived in puerto in 2019 in october and then started doing business there and like kind of fell in love with the place and then uh when we came back in 2021 like uh we we were in canada for like a year during covid and then we left and when we we came back here like with the plan to establishing ourselves long term Puerto Escondido was kind of just a fit for us because we kind of knew the place. Uh, it didn't feel like Cancun or uh, Playa del Carmen where I spent some time as well. So it was really like a better place, let's say, that, that I could see myself long-term uh, in a certain way. Right? Okay. So so initially, I guess you were looking for like a beach place anyway. So Panama was was considered, but you, you ultimately settled and fell in love with Puerto Escondido. Yeah, sort of. And like, okay. it's, it's also a matter of like, you, you know, like uh, getting the residency here was easy for us for because we came in the past and like uh, Mexico is still kind of, uh, it, it, it still feels like home in a way because like there's a lot of things that are similar to Canada in whether it's the product or just like certain things in general. It, it's hard to describe, but like we're still in America in a way. So like it felt like uh, kind of a good in between for us. For sure. I in for in my experience too and in everyone i've talked to so far in this podcast because of this is my fourth episode and in the first two i've interviewed people that also moved to mexico and everybody says the same right it's kind of yeah. like a, a bridge uh between yeah. uh, like north america and the rest of the world it's 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 half of both and and uh, that's good okay so so was was this uh you, you talked about like airbnb dream uh you you wanted to do some business Uh, yeah. here with real estate so how did that begin were you already doing that uh before moving here or was this a thing that you started when you you moved here uh back in canada we weren't I, i mean i was and my girl uh, my wife either were girlfriend at the time we're not like doing like that business uh in canada but like i had i have uh, two i did actually two projects with uh, friends of mine which were basically uh, building the house and kind of flipping it Uh, it was not exactly renting it, but it was. Uh, it allowed me to see uh, a lot of uh, basically the ins and outs of how this the process worked. Well, for Canada, while well, it's very different here in, in many ways, but still, like it gave me an idea. But the, the renting thing, uh, it really just started about uh, then in 2019 when we arrived there, and like uh, it was a really cool experience because we got to rent a super big house with like six bedroom with each of their private bathrooms. It was kind of a house kind of hostel at the same time so like the way it was uh, organized and uh, like the flow of things it it was a good experience to to really see how things go and like it allowed us to kind of uh, scale a bit more and like find more properties that we can rent like just rearrange a bit and like rent it back again and stuff like that so we did this for kind of a whole year uh until then covid and then uh, after that when we came back we really set up into uh, the mood of like buying land and basically doing the, the 
more of the the business more than the Airbnb uh, side of things, if I can say. Right. Okay. Interesting. So so you've been doing. So you already had like some real estate experience, understood how deals worked at least in a minimal way, and then when you moved here four years ago already, you you started renting places and and. Basically, I, 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 I can imagine that uh, you adapted to the Puerto Escondido culture, which is very young, very hipster, you know, very surf. So, like, a hostel makes total sense in that context, right? Yeah, definitely. Actually, the like th th this kind of uh, scenery scene is really, like, uh, booming here. And uh, there's a lot of demand, and there's a lot of things to learn from it, too, because... Uh, It's kind of a very fast-paced environment too, so you can see things that work and things that uh, work for a while, and other things that last and don't. So, like, it's really uh, cool to observe all those things and adapt also like our own plan and business model in, in consequence eventually. But like, this is also a, at the end of the day, it's really something that is attractive uh, for us as young people just to to have some fun and you know, like it's 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 part of all it, right? For sure, for sure. Uh, for those that don't know Puerto Escondido, what would you say you you like the most of it, uh, or maybe some, or you can maybe share some things you don't like about it, just to give a, a better idea of how it feels to live there. Uh, I could say something that is really cool is that unlike many of the the other big beach city in in Mexico, there's no well besides one like there's one monstrosity like near the beach, but like other than that, like it's not there's not like tall building and stuff. So in general, it's like, it's still a bit more, it feels a bit more uh, beach town than like resort town kind of uh, kind of vibe. And uh, I think that's that's a big plus, right? Like all the beaches and like, if you like surf and act, like there's a bit of everything at the same time. And like, but not in a super like mainstream way, more in a like natural way, if I can say it this way. And okay. uh Some things I like less, I can tell you right now, it's the internet, my friend. <laughs> it's 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 bad. It's bad in, in general, right? Like, you, you need Starlink. To be honest, you need Starlink. But then, like, when you don't have Starlink, it can be problematic, depending on what you have to do, to be honest. Right, because it's that's the trade-off, right? You want yeah. an authentic beach town that has little <laughs> development. Well, you, you you're going to like internet. Uh, but it, yeah. I mean, it's still doable, right? We'll we'll yeah. still manage to have this conversation. I'm on the other side of the country in Querétaro, so we're <laughs> thousands of kilometers away, and we still manage to to do this uh, in a proper manner. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. So, well, now tell me a bit about how Jellyfish came to be, how you you began this project, maybe how you got the idea, anything about the 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 birth of uh, of this project. Yeah. Well, uh, basically, the, the way it started is that we, we had to do it for ourselves. So we were looking uh, into the process of uh, simply like buying land just to invest in land, first of all, and just like kind of buying land and like waiting for years and seeing if we build something or not. And But then we wanted to, to, to really own the thing because what we noticed is that a lot of people were just like trusting the, the landowner and they just pay and like they gave them a paper receipt and that's all. Right, and there is really no legal legal guarantee of anything like that. And like, like yeah, deep down my heart, I believe that most of the people are are genuinely honest, and they're not gonna get rip off. Like even when they do this, but at the end of the day, this is not the way we wanted to do things. We really wanted to 
to learn the, 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 the real way of doing things and like legally and safely. And then the more we were doing it, the more I realized that like, like it's, it's an old process and like it, it's good to know. And like, I think uh, not enough people know about it. And then because we had the company and stuff, I, I kind of went into the idea that, wait a minute, like initially we wanted to do it for ourselves, like be, basically be jellyfish and buy land and build property and rent it and sell it ourselves. Right. But then I realized we have enough, I have enough time because it's so uh, like a capital consuming. Basically our first project is, is almost all our money. So it's working in there. But then during this time, I have free time. I can do a bunch of other things. So I was like, I can actually do that for other people. So like I started the idea of actually maybe I can reach out and see like if people are interested in doing the same thing. And basically I can share my expertise of all what I've learned through through the years here of doing business and connecting the dots of, oh, this is how this works and why this works. And then like, and basically I built a service around that, uh, the idea of jellyfish. That's, that's really cool. Uh, I feel like the best businesses are always from... I things we need for ourselves, you know, and then we just service the, the, the rest of the world with what we've learned. Uh, and I feel like this, this, and it applies here. Yeah. I think it's really well said. Like you say, something that serves yourself is like, it's not like you don't, I didn't force the idea of, Oh, I want to do real estate in Mexico. It just kind of, well, it makes sense to do this. So like I kind of explored that path because of my own like experience and all. And I think, yeah, like you say, it's uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> okay, that's good. So, let me let me just because you you guys at Jellyfish do a lot of things. So, maybe for people to understand what you really do, um, because it, maybe you can explain how how the process works. Because from what I understand, it's it's kind of like step one, step two, step three. So, maybe explain it in a way where you you go from nothing towards the the end goal, which is like having property. Uh, that is rented, uh, however you want to describe it, just maybe explain it step by step so people can understand what Jellyfish does and how they can help people. Yeah, sure. Uh, the way I'd see, uh, I'd see it is that, uh, well, basically, uh, I'm going to explain like the, the Jellyfish, what I call the Jellyfish experience. Uh, like you said, the three steps, right, basically, which are uh, acquiring land because the first step is, is to have land to build something on. Uh, the second thing is to actually uh, build the property. And the third step is once you have a property ready, built, ready to live in, you can either live inside of it or rent it. So basically, that's, th that's the basic of uh, the jellyfish experience. But lately, uh, what I've been working on, and actually it's based on the feedback I've got because uh, early December and late, uh, late November, I started to go out on social media and reaching out to people and like kind of uh, showcasing the idea and seeing like if there was interest. And like, I also got feedback from, uh, from this experience. And basically uh, I've noticed that like what I'm trying to offer uh, basically everything to everyone is that what I mean is that everyone wants something different. So like they come to me, Oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. It, it's hard for me to, to give, uh, to optimize basically uh, the project I'm, I'm selling. So For the past uh, month, I, I would say I've been working on the idea of optimizing the, the, the concept we're uh, doing right now, but with mostly like one option with minor uh, kind of variant. And the goal is really to meet the price where people are looking for, because people are looking for something that is that does not exist anymore. And I want to actually create that. So 
I, I just needed to, to to put that out uh, right now just to, to make clear about the, the idea. But then, uh, sorry, I kind of uh, lost the uh, proposal. Yeah, like, don't worry. <laughs> so uh, basically, uh, the first step in 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 the the jellyfish experience is to acquire land. So like, there's a, the way it works here is that there is not a single source of uh, finding the land. Right? It's you go on Facebook, you you, you go mouth to mouth, like you see. Uh, you see billboards with uh, phone numbers. Like it's really a free for all. So it's and, it, and it's really a fast moving environment too, right? Like uh, land are selling regularly and stuff. So like it, it's really kind of hard to get a, a clear picture of what's available in the market. So that's one of the service uh, we're offering, and I think it's one of our strong service. Is basically the, the personalized land sourcing. So basically, like depending on what you're looking for and the type of land you want, the size, and like a bunch of other. Uh, things that varies, like depending on your needs, we're we're going to to find the, the the perfect land for you. So that's kind of the first step is to get your land, and I think uh, it is uh, very often it can be like the the hardest uh, thing to do because you see nothing on the land; it's it's empty, and you have to kind of imagine the project later. But that's uh, that's really the core of the thing because that's where that's your foundation. So this is our first step. Uh, then uh, if we go uh, to a second step, which will be to build a project, and this is uh, what I was talking uh, just a moment ago, is that now we're trying to optimize uh, a type of project and we're still working on the exact uh, kind of uh, building we want to do because now we have one project that is, is doing, uh, but it, it's going to be a little more expensive than ultimately the price we're trying to, to, to get for people. So we're kind of uh, exploring different concepts, but like basically it's about building tiny house. Uh, that are s- smart, that are in uh, in a way that they, they are, they have a good style, but af- that is made affordable at the same time. Because you can put a lot of money in the house uh, by putting like furnitures and stuff, or you could do it with, uh, let's say, a nice uh, architecture and style, which can be uh, cost efficient at the end. And this is what we're kind of uh, working towards. And then the third step is about uh, it's the rental property uh, management service. Basically, once you have a property, most of the people are not here 12 months a year, so they want to spend a few months here, so they have their property. And the rest of the time, well, it's good to receive a bit of money for that. And basically what we offer is uh, the option to manage your property for a fee. And then uh, ultimately you get the choice. Actually, if, you like, uh, if you're into Bitcoin, you have the option that we actually take, uh, let's say, your tenant pays in Mexican pesos. And then we're going to use those Mexican pesos to buy Bitcoin. And then we're going to send you uh, your rent in Bitcoin. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a cool thing for people who are, who are looking, like, let's say, to... Uh, uh, kind of uh, save some money or generate some rental income uh, every year from their property and stack it into Bitcoin. I think it's uh, just an interesting way. It's not like uh, it's not like nothing. Uh, I'm not reinventing the wheel. It's just something uh, I think is cool. Uh, it's a nice approach to, for those who like it. I, I think it is. Well, thanks. Thanks for explaining all of that. I have a few questions and I'm going to go like step by step. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it, what you said makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's, I, I think in the future there's going to be demand for this, at, or probably even even now. I already have some friends that, that are asking me about this, uh, but mostly they're waiting for you know Bitcoin price to go up uh, yeah. because now it's, it's a bit low, so no, not everybody wants to sell now for property. Uh, but I think you'll get a, a a couple customers, at least from my way. 
uh, when the next bull market is here. So that's good. Um, so my <laughs> first good question, <laughs> my first question is, um, you said your like your expertise or one of your expertises is in uh, acquiring property or like finding land. Um, yeah. So land sourcing. So how how do you is that because you've developed connections with the people in Puerto Escondido that are like land owners over the last couple of years? Uh, is that is is that how you you can make land sourcing uh, better to you? Uh, y yes, definitely. Actually, through the years, uh, since we're kind of here since 2019, uh, we've kind of established uh, like connections with the local landowner. And uh, also by being here all the time, like uh, I know a bit more, uh, let's say, the the places, you know, the, the little municipalities. I, I, like each time I go, I kind of see the, the vibe around. Uh, it's about like also like I have a long list of uh, land, of phone number with owner with like fresh land when they are when they are on the market because sometimes they don't last on the market for very long especially like the very good deals so like sometimes I get message I, I receive message oh I have a land there if you're interested so like these are stuff like that it, it's built through time right like I, I have put some time and effort into like building that uh, kind of uh, this uh, phone book right like with all the numbers and like Uh, getting to know the place and and having like also like a good uh, relationships allow me to get also better better price at the end you know like so this way i can offer better price right. at the end uh, so like these these are all the the kind of thing right and also it's uh, the relationship that's built with the people because once you buy the land sometimes they, the thing is they don't care you buy the land they care more when you start building on it and that's at the point where where I think we make a difference because a lot of real estate company here, they're not, people don't like them because they're building big condominiums and like big stuff that like does not exactly fit with the, the place around. And like, I think with our approach of tiny home and every time we, we use the say, uh, we use the word tiny home, like the people uh, kind of, uh, they, they feel better about it. Like they don't feel like we're going to destroy like the place. Right. They, they feel more like we're in, uh, in harmony, right. With the, with the, the surrounding. And I think this is all part of a, kind of the approach we have when we're sourcing the land, when we're discussing with the people, because ultimately it's, it's a bit more than just like business on paper. Like, because here it, in, in Waka, the state, the way it works, everything is a bit more uh, informal, uh, informal, right? For sure. So it, it's all legal. It's all like, but it's their own system, right? It's not even like a, a public land title, like we're used to in Canada or like, There's only a few places here, uh, like near in Bakochur, where I am, that there is private land. Otherwise, it's communal land, what they call it's communal it. Communal like, land, exactly. Exactly. So like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, if I, what you're saying basically is, is that not only is, is finding the deals, but knowing how to fit within the communities there to make sure your, you, what your project is culturally aligned. To what what the the communities there uh, like have always been doing right like Oaxaca Chiapas those regions are known for preserving the culture for not not turning into Cancun not just becoming full on corporate projects so can you explain a bit more what does communal land mean because I can I can see a, a few properties on your on the marketplace of of your website where you specified that those are communal lands so 
uh, I, I like I'm, I'm thinking you're talking about ejidos, but can you can you explain how how what that means? Do people when people buy those properties, do they own them uh, as they own them in Canada? What's the difference? Maybe just get into all of that. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, basically, you mentioned a ejido, which is a, a type of communal land. Uh, so basically, the the thing is here. I, I would speak like because there's a few nuances, like depending on the state you are in Mexico. So I will try to focus on Oaxaca and basically the the coast where I am. So there's mainly two type of land, which are the communal land, but they are not ejido. They, they are just uh, like let's say communal land, and they come with what we call okay. acta de posesión which is kind of a, a title that gives you the right to possess and or basically occupy the land and use whatever is on the land. So like, for instance, if you build a property on that land you, and you'll sell that land later, you're going to say, I'm selling you a piece of land with uh, a tiny home on it. You're not going to say, I'm selling you the house because legally speaking, it's, it's just the land. And ultimately, like those communal land, like they, they are not officially private property. So like, it's hard to, to put in a way because it can be scary in a way uh, when you hear it this way. Uh, but it, yeah. it's ultimately, it's pretty much the same thing at the end. You, you own the right. It's just the, the system that they work. And the way you can see it basically is that the people here, they were so stubborn and like they, they, they stick to their guns so much that basically they still have their own rules and not the federal rules. So like you can see it in the way that those people were, were so kind of... Uh, proud of themselves that they, that they stick to their own way of ruling things and the way they do is that uh, basically they, they give a uh, right to possess the land but it's not like a private land because it still technically belongs to the community but ultimately it, it is still like when you do it with the proper paperwork when you get the acta de possession and you have like uh, you need a company uh, basically you need a mexican company to acquire this as a foreigner so you once you acquire with the, with the company you're you're fairly Uh, safe right that 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 these are uh good land and ultimately like a lot of the land here on the coast is only communal so like if you want like those nice beach property well that's that's what that's only what there is but there is a bunch of uh, pros that comes with this though like for instance uh, there is no uh property tax on it because they are not considered private property so there's like there's a bunch of uh different angle to to see to see it And ultimately, I think, uh, like I said, that's in part why we're doing a smaller project. I think uh, these are fit for a smaller project uh, in the end. I think you don't put, let's say, a $2 million property on such type of land, in my opinion. But you can put like uh, one $200,000 property. It makes more sense. And I think it's reasonable approach. Very interesting. You know, this this is a topic not a lot of people understand, not a lot of people talk about. You seem to to get it, which is which is good, and and it's necessary to to operate a real estate firm in in Oaxaca. So so you would say the the communal land has some pros, such as you're not paying property tax, and mostly you're 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 still it's still your land, like it's not technically private property, but you have a, an act of ownership or of like possession. possession yeah exactly and like okay it's not ownership but you like it, it, you can still transfer those rights right so you can still yeah exactly and and but w- for those that don't get what communal land is like what are the the are there any limitations to what you can do with the land do you have any obligations 
because I know a bit about the Hedos. I just don't know. And and I know in the Hedos cases, you got some like ecological obligations. It's like you like if we're, I don't know how this, if the, any of that applies here. Uh, there is certain uh, regulation. Well, the the way mostly here the way it works is going to depends on the mus- municipality where the land is located, and in many cases it's kind of uh, negotiated like you know in person and you kind of discuss a bit your project. You, usually, it's going to be in the height. They, they kind of limit like uh, like let's say two level plus a palapa, right, or something like that, like or three level plus a palapa, like a maximum. And like then there is a, the other thing is about is that now every new house must have a biodigester. Uh, like this is uh, basically for the the toilet system. It's kind of a new, let's say, uh, kind of a more a startup thing where every place must do it, unless in in certain uh, off grid settings. So for instance, the project we're doing now, we wanted to, an approach that is more off grid. So for instance, we have a dry toilet. So we're not, we don't need, uh, we're not going going to need the biodigester. Uh, that is the new norm now and the new kind of uh, requirement for the land here. But other than that, it's it's still, I could say again, uh, still very informal, right? So there's a, I would say you need to use your good judgment. But if you do, you 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 can also you have a lot of flexibility as well. I think. Interesting. Well. You know, the way I view this, a lot of people get scared about communal land because they're like, it's like a socialist thing or like it's not private property. I'm going to get my my land seized. But, you know, like, let's say you buy property in, in Canada, private property, and you're municipally so regulated, you're, you're so regulated by the state, federally, at all levels, right? And, and like, so like, and here you actually buy communal land and you have even less regulations or, or taxes than you have in Canada. So uh, it's it's a bit like it, the term sounds different on paper, but in, in reality, uh, it's it's very different than, than paper, right? Yeah, well, the, the truth is, is like that's something I like to, 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 to really like to put an image is that at the end of the day, the only like, like no paper matters. Like ultimately, like the land and all the land in the world is backed by a weapon or, or like is by is backed by 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 force right like by is whoever can enforce sure. and defect the land owns the land like we can sign paper because we're civilized but at the end of the day like uh, it's it's uh the monopoly on violence that owns the land right for sure so, for sure so yeah so basically that's what i mean so ultimately papers are different the terms are different but i think in the end it's pretty much the same thing pretty much <laughs> i agree i agree I, i would feel comfortable owning that and knowing even knowing it's it's communal land i would feel very comfortable because at the end like like you what what you're saying is, is exactly right it's about monopoly of violence and in canada uh the government has all the monopolies so they can enforce as many regulations on your property as they want and exactly you're not gonna, and and that's what's happening or taxes right And people cannot fight back. Uh, at least here, it seems to me that here, at least particularly in Oaxaca's case, there's more power to the municipality and, and to the state. Uh, and the federal government is not too much there. You know, even the state government is is weak and like it it, it depends on which municipality you are at the end. And and th- those are like the, the laws that you have to ab- abide for. Am I, am I right in that? 
Oh yeah, you're totally right. And actually, this is the old part actually that made me fall in love even more with the state of Waka and the place I was is is when I was digging and reading and stuff about histories and like everything you said. And that's that's all what I started to figure to find out and like learn a bit more of the politics here in Mexico. And I was like, yo, these people are kind of badass, right? Like they 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 still like live by their own kind of uh, code and like and it's been for centuries and like people like no no like the federal government is not doing anything and even like the state government of waka is really relatively quiet in the end like they have more influence i think uh near the city of waka but i think like other than that it's limited and like it's it's really like fascinating to see indeed for sure for sure and this is a reason why a lot of people came here when when covid was was happening you know a lot of people don't realize this but there were like uh, lockdown mandates or like uh, a lot of rules at, in mexico uh, particularly at the state level but it doesn't but you would still go to some towns and they had no rules because in the end the municipality the the, the local level has a lot of power they can very often decide not to apply laws coming from the state or the federal level And this was uh, the case during COVID. Like I was in, in Sayulita, which is in Nayarit. And Nayarit had enforced a lockdown, closing bars at like 5 p.m., 10 p.m. maybe, you know, restaurants at 10 p.m. And I was partying every day until 3 a.m. And no no place was closed because the the, the municipality decided that they just were not going to follow the the law. And like that was okay. Like that, that, that was part of that. That is part of Mexican tradition. Uh, and and I really like this too. Yeah, it's really well said, like you say, like uh, nice, <laughs> nice thing. Like exactly, like they have like law on the on the state level, and like ultimately, it's the municipality who decides uh, who who is going to enforce if they are going to enforce it or not. And like that, that's like that that's political decentralization in a way. Like this is uh, kind of a system that is more uh, suited for for a different group of people, especially like in the context here where there's a lot of different kind of uh, ethnic group, right? Right, exactly. It, it, it came from that, you know, like... Uh, yeah, initially, it, initially. <laughs> yeah, maybe not, not, not today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I mean, it's, it's part of the, of the history of this country and, you know, Americans like to pride themselves a lot in, in localism, but like Mexico is, seems to me more, more on that Uh, for the good and the bad too, you know, because there's also yeah. like violence in in some places in the country, which proves that there's no monopoly of violence. But so there's bad bad effects and and good effects from that. Um, yeah, okay, definitely. so I understand now the 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 land sourcing part. Uh, so about the building uh, part. So now that someone has this acta de possession, act of possession. And they've basically uh, legally like acquired or just being transferred rights to the communal the the parcel of communal land. Uh, now comes the building. So you said you were focusing on tiny homes because you wanted to be aligned with the culture, but you also said you were using like certain distinct types of material because you really wanted to aim towards a low price. So Can you tell me more about like how you're aiming towards dropping the the cost of of building and like what are the the strategies or like 
just any anything you wanted to share on that? Yeah, sure. Uh, basically, it's not that I want to lower the, the, the quality of the materials or anything. It's, it's really about the, uh, instead of uh, offering uh, or saying or being available to, to do any kind of project from a big villa to a small, tiny home to an, an hostel or whatever, like I am now instead focusing on like just one type of home. And the way I will get the better prices by just focusing on one type of home, I will be able to like uh, micro uh, source my material, uh, my material basically. So instead of like, I will have more time to basically just uh, kind of build one recipe of one type of home that is uh, cool, comfortable, uh, that, that, that fits like also like uh, our personal uh, value. Like for instance, uh, my wife like uh, wants to use certain types of material if possible that are better for the environment and just not just for the environment but basically for your health when you're breeding and stuff so like it's just like uh, kind of finding uh, the perfect approach so right now our, the goal is really to 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 find one type of project uh, one home like like uh, i could say like where a couple could live uh, that is uh, for including a land like 75,000 dollar uh, US dollar so that's like a hundred Canadian dollar, roughly. So this is still a hundred dollar, uh, hundred dollar, right? Hundred thousand dollar. This is still a lot right. of money, especially when you need to pay cash. But ultimately, like this is the reality. Like it, it's like if you if you look here in Puerto Rico, there's nothing for sale under one hundred fifty thousand. And if there is, like there is a few stuff under under the, like that are let's say seventy five or fifty hundred uh, fifty thousand dollar. But the thing is, they are not finished. They are not to a standard like where no expat is gonna rent that and like so it, it's like the gap is is still big and basically we're trying to 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 just to bridge it but uh, as affordably as possible basically right and and I imagine you talk like your your market is really about expats right because there's I'm sure there's properties that are like in uh, like the poor neighborhoods which are extremely small and like you know just like wall to wall and they're maybe cheaper but like expats are not going to live there they want the, the nature and they want the, the 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 fact that it can be rented on on airbnb up to certain standards right so yeah, okay exactly. okay i understand that's that's really cool basically um, the one you say like uh, the, the property you're mentioning like a smaller and like what, what i what like i say uh, they, they call it obra negra or obra gris Uh, because they're not uh, they're not basically finished and these are the property that are still selling for 50 60 thousand uh, dollar here in Puerto Escondido because basically the land even if it's not in a super flashy neighbor uh, the land is worth a lot here because it's there's basically not much land near the near the beach that are that is for sale so like these are like all the the, the kind of thing that I have to, to to take into uh, into account and like build with this for offering something like that is more accessible for everyone right Interesting. Did you see the price go up since you moved there, like by a lot? The renting price, uh, absolutely. I, like absolutely, the renting price a lot. Uh, but and iron, ironically, like right now, I'm at the place that I rented that is the most affordable since I uh, since I started in Puerto Escondido back in 2019. Because each time nice. we were b b renting like bigger places, like big house. Like, last year, I had a house in a kind of a gated community with a pool, uh, a super nice like rooftop palapa with a bar. Like because uh, I had a friend uh, from Canada who lived uh, with my wife and I for like uh, three months, so like we, we rented a bigger place. But like this year with uh, 
were kind of focused on business so we kind of rented a, a super nice apartment but it's still there's still some construction so there's no kind of window in the apartment it's, it's hard to describe so it's, it's a lot noisy but at the end like for the price it is it is really affordable so I, ironically like it's been uh, getting very expensive in puerto and i've noticed the price either with the restaurant or the price of e even the construction material because the first <laughs> the first time we asked back in 2019 the price were let's say 10 10,000 uh, pesos per square meter of construction now it's ranging between 15 and 20,000 so it's almost double like in four years so it's crazy right 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 but I, I i guess that applies to the to the wider country to the world uh things things change in in the in the whole market but yeah i but i there's but i think there's also there's both right like it's a it's a world event but it's also like a local event a lot of people yeah. just moving to puerto escondido and have an interest there okay yeah i think um, it's a mix nice nice Okay, and now for the final part. So then, the the rental management uh, or the property management that includes like the the whole is is it like a key, uh, like full on key turnkey solution where like you, you make the the rents, uh, the 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 cleaning or whatever it includes or uh, how how does that work precisely? Uh, well, basically, the idea is to do a really the the concept the the, the big the goal actually when the, everything is uh, really better optimized let's say is really to offer the, the solution key and and like basically you could uh make your house with us like basically from canada and come here like just uh for some paperwork and like never be here again and like we we, we make it work basically for you in a way right uh that's that's the goal uh but after that like uh, the at the end but at the end of the day like the property management is really uh it can widely vary depending on what kind of service you're looking for and what kind of renting uh let's say uh, potential you're looking for because if we rent like uh, just day by day for like can make a big turnover like during high season this this is uh, more work right much more work right. uh, so we charge a bit more fee for that like uh, and like the, the, there is kind of a scale of like depending on the service and, and what you want like and uh, if you want just monthly we, we rent your place monthly with people like that stay long term so this is less maintenance and like what we can organize like uh, cleaning lady reparation uh, paying the bill like we can do everything to the the strict minimum right Th this is uh, basically we we kind of set up a, a contract of property management depending on your specific property and needs because it's widely vary again. But ultimately, like our goal is to basically have one solution. Like yes, it's a bit the same thing, but one good, like kind of like I like to say, one good recipe. And that like same thing for the renting that we can apply as well there for the renting experience by having let's say uh, maybe a website where people can rent like book in advance like not not even through airbnb and like there's a bunch of idea i have but like again like these uh this take time and like a lot of work too and money to to, to market and stuff so for, sure. for now like it's, it's it's step by step but like at the moment like uh that that's pretty much it yeah okay okay um and i had a, a, a like a couple more questions about this so then there's the Bitcoin uh, part of it, right? So, yeah, I mean, like Bitcoin as a form of payment for for the whole process. How how can how how does that work? How do you turn uh, land 
construction materials construct well well bitcoin into land into construction materials into construction uh, workforce how do you do you have like an exchange that you partner with do you do the exchange yourself uh, well, at the moment, we have a few uh, kind of, uh, I have made sure to have uh, quite a few options, basically, to when I receive uh, a payment in Bitcoin to be able to convert the necessary in Mexican pesos, because at the end of the day, this is what I have to pay most of the things. Like I'm not yet in the business, uh, uh, in the business of, of converting, let's say, uh, entrepreneurs and uh, contractors and right. stuff like to accept Bitcoin. Like this is like, this is not the part I can do. So like I'm really focusing on making uh, this uh, more uh, as a, for the customer itself because ultimately one of the biggest the, the, the bigger asshole in uh, in uh, setting up like like the corporation and acquiring the land and like all the, the steps that it needs it's the bank account itself and like uh, this is where there's first of all there is a lot of fee in terms of uh, sending the money abroad from Canada to Mexico to your Mexican bank account. And like just the process of opening the bank account for the company here in Mexico is kind of a, it's not it's not easy. It's a bit painful. Like uh, it, it's more uh, suitable. Let's say if you live here, it's uh, you can take more time. But like sometimes, depending like if you're not hundred percent all the time here, it can be like time consuming and not really pleasant. So therefore, paying Bitcoin is just like really like a kind of a smooth uh, smooth process for the the person acquiring let's say the land or the property and then it's 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 our our task to actually convert it and do the basically do the conversion for the customer which is uh, we're kind of doing the work for them right 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 okay and so so it's it's not like if i'm a bitcoiner this is not only good for me because i'm paying bitcoin but it actually makes the process smoother because we don't have to go through banks Exactly. You don't need to open the bank account, basically, for your company. So, right, and and then I I assume that uh, you turn it into cash, and like the construction companies prefer cash too, right? Uh, this it depends, though, because uh, sometimes we're gonna basically how can the when you convert, we send this. Uh, it, it goes to uh, we have like a, you have a, a bank account of company for jellyfish and like Mexican account and like. Okay. Basically, everything go go through there for us because at the same time, it's it for us serve as kind of a let's say a ledger of a, just a proof of showing that we're transparent with 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 let's say the the regulations here showing that this is the money we receive we're buying land and like just so like it add like just for simplification with the accountant and everything. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Just because you're handling a lot of money from the customers. You want to use a bank account as a way to show that the money is really going towards the where, where it's supposed to go. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay, okay, I understand. And that the, makes sense. And these are the these are basically advice. Uh, the 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 notary notario is gonna give you is gonna say this like you know when you buy the land basically when we acquire land we always pay with uh, with wire with like local I don't know what's the name of the transfer but kind of a Mexican pesos to Mexican pesos account. Because right. basically, it's a proof that we paid for the land. So we do have uh, the Secession de Derecho, which is a paper that says that once we send the money, they're going to give us the land, and then we get the Acta de Possession. And then we have also a proof from the bank account, you know, from our company, let's say Jellyfish, that we send money to this person uh, on that day for a land. Like, it's not written that it's for a land, but like, it, it, it's, it's just adding for uh, security, you know? In the process right. that we we did acquire the land, so basically th this is one way we do to add security in the process that you know these are communal land, but like 
we're making everything in order to 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 just make it clear and just add additional proof that this is our land we we, we paid for it and there's no problem i understand i understand i guess this is standard in the real estate market like in in yeah. canada and everywhere like it's it it's it's very notarized very like a lot of legal contracts and it has to go through the banks very often uh, it's just part of the process right uh okay interesting um i think that was it for jellyfish uh or maybe anything you wanna if there's anything you want to add while well, maybe i think of another question uh any maybe maybe you can talk about like uh uh if if you've had any customer any user stories that you want to share uh, anyone that has that you have helped that has uh, uh, like had a successful outcome from this Uh, well, I can talk about the current situation, which is, well, I mean, we've helped uh, a few people acquire land in the past, uh, basically just walking them through uh, in the past. I mean, like in the past year, uh, walking them through uh, just the, the process and like just uh, also uh, being there to help people uh, by with sharing our knowledge, uh, the, the knowledge we've kind of uh, accumulated throughout the years is great because uh, you can see the relief on the, the people face and all. And uh So these are definitely a great moment. But right now, for instance, with the the house, uh, there's a few people. So basically, we're 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 now uh, we have our first construction that is in the the process, and now we're making a few people uh, to visit and like they they they're really interested in in the view of where we built uh, the land we, we there there we have uh, we have uh, for this project, and like we're seeing interest and like basically uh, it's just kind of uh, seeing that the people they kind of see it with their eyes and they, they, they kind of believe that, Oh, we, we can make it like, it's possible. Right. Like uh, the guy, we speak French together and he's like, you know, it's possible. And he's like, like, uh, he says, like, he says uh, a kid like you is doing that. So like, he's like 50 mm -hmm. something and he's like, I can do it myself. And he's like, and he's like getting interested and like people are, are kind of uh, getting really curious. And I, I understand too, that it's a, it's a long-term process, right? It's not like, Oh, I see this jellyfish thing. Oh, I'm going to buy ours tomorrow. Sure. It's, it's going to take, a year right like before there there's going to be exchange of information and chat and like basically things like we're doing right now and like people are going to get to know the place and the person and what what there is to build there and to do there and like i think uh, this is all part of uh, what is good what is good and what i like about it like ultimately uh, i would have liked to to be more even offer even more personalized project uh, to to everyone But ultimately, I think uh, if uh, as Jellyfish, as a company, if we focus and, and also just for everyone, basically, if we focus on one type of kind of a recipe, like I say, one type of house that that is good, that is uh, comfortable, uh, reasonable size, uh, good price uh, within like the, the people what they are looking for. I think uh, great things can happen. And from there, I think there's a bunch of other ideas that come with that, you know, like building kind of a small Bitcoin uh, community and like there's a bunch of stuff, you know, like my wife is doing uh, her product. She's selling uh, beef tallow skincare product now for a couple of months and like a bunch of well, things nice. like that. So like it's it's really booming the place here. And there there's I think there's a lot of people that uh, will be surprised of what we can do. And ultimately, I think that's a bit what I want to do, right? Like, I don't want to be alone in Puerto, so I'm basically uh, building something to attract people to come chill with me. <laughs> nice, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, because a lot of Bitcoiners talk about, you know, building your 
your own community, you know, finding, finding friends that share like, uh, like the, the same values and, and all living together also for, 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 for not only social, but like, uh, Uh, like uh, personal, like business, or just like needs, sharing the food system, the water system, things like that. And I think what you when you're doing there is, it's exactly that. Uh, it's a way to create a kind of like the Bitcoin Citadel meme. You know, I guess that's yeah. what you're, you're aiming towards in a way. Yeah, the long term goal, the long long term goal for sure. <laughs> nice. That's that's really cool. Uh, while you were talking, I thought of another question that I wanted to ask you. Just maybe if you can address the topic of credit uh, in Mexico and in real estate in Mexico, because I'm sure just a lot of people wonder about this. I kind of have an idea about it that it's there's not nothing or basically nothing going on. But maybe can you address that? What what you know about that? Well. I know I, I'm not like uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest I'm not like uh, deeply knowledgeable in this, but ultimately what I know is that there isn't really much credit, and especially not for let's say what I'm personally doing, like building on communal land and stuff like that. is really hard to get credit for that. You don't because there's no title insurance. It's just like there's no official title, so there there can be insurance for it. So like this is this is kind of a weird way. So ultimately, like. Uh, This is a, a bit a harder part. Uh, I'm a bit lost. Sorry. You wanna? You mind remind repeating me your question? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just like wondering about credit and like mortgage. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that that's the thing. The, it's really hard to 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 get credit here. So it's either you get credit from private credit, basically from elsewhere, and you bring it here. And uh, what one solution and one thing I tend to propose to people is to actually pool. Depending, on, and again, it depends on what you want to do, right? If you just want to have a property here and be here once in a while and mostly rent it, I mean, sometimes you can pool yourself a few people, right? Like four people together, and then you have like one property, and then you can do that with friends. And like also sometimes it uh, it can help like uh, uh, like reduce the financial risk for the people and also just. Uh, just for the fun of the experience of doing that with friends, because I know like I did myself like that kind of project with friends back home. And like, it's just the whole experience. And like, again, like you, you must know your friends, I guess, but like ultimately like all is, uh, is on paper correctly. So what I mean is basically when you don't have credit, you can like find ways to, to, uh, to be creative, to, to, to get a, a feel of that. And like, th these are the kind of options that sometimes uh, I tend to think of. Right. Kind of like a like an informal timeshare, or just that you just share a property with your friends. You I mean, well, basically, you put it legally. You're like on paper, you will okay. have twenty. Like it's gonna be twenty five, twenty five. Like you can have it like hundred percent legal. Like the company, you must have a legal Mexican company anyway. It's like uh, so right, unless right. like you don't want to have paper. Like again, you could do that with friends uh, with name. Like I have a bunch of friends like. They, they they know me since I'm five years five years old. So like uh, basically, if they get land, uh, it's, it's different, right? But like like but the usual, which is like by the way, I don't I, I would say never do that. Basically, do always do the legal way with like <laughs> the sure. paper. So like I mean, you know your friends and like but like basically, you don't do. You should still should not do that. And like you just put easily like when you set up the, the corporation, you put each let's say 25%, and then you own each 25% of whatever is going to be on and built on that land, for example. So And these are, interesting. these are ways to. Okay. Okay. Interesting. To um, get a force. 
That's good. That's good. Yeah, I I thought that was the case for mortgages because uh, yeah. it's, it's very hard to to get one here, and I imagine communal land pers even more or just impossible. Yeah, yeah. So, but you, at, at some point, I think you mentioned something about insurance. Uh, so, like, you, like, did you say that you cannot get insurance on like house insurance? Well, uh, most out because it's near the beach. So, starting there, it's really hard with any insurance, any type of land to begin with, because we're still in the, like, it's still like Mexico is an earthquake zone. So like uh, we're near the beach. So like, I think it's really hard, but ultimately you cannot like have a, you know, like insurance title kind of for, for the communal land simply because there is no like title, like it's, it's the legal framing of it. But ultimately, like I say, with the Acta de Possession is, it's like the same thing. It's just that you cannot insure it like with a bank, let's say, right? Ah, okay, so, this, so again this this is in part why i say actually that i think uh i would not build like let's say project more than, ultimately what i said is like never more than half a million right and like i'm stretching but like ultimately it's i think personally it's better suited for a smaller project right because like yes it's uh, it's i think it's a legal framing uh, system that is fairly solid but it's still like uh, ultimately it's it's I wouldn't put more than that, so I'm not going to tell people to put more than that. I think that's that's the way I can frame it. <laughs> Thank you, Fred, for explaining about the title insurance. Uh, I think it, it becomes clear that because this is communal land, it's not private property, so uh, the, you cannot get like title insurance because you don't have like a private property ownership. But I was wondering, what about home insurance? Like people want to buy maybe a home near Puerto Escondido and in case there's a flood or any other natural disasters, they might want home insurance. So can you address that? How does this apply here? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, basically, the thing is that a bit like uh, similarly to with the uh, property uh, insurance title, uh, home insurance is, is pretty hard to get here for homes that are built on communal land. Uh, I, I would not go to say that it's impossible. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure if you really want it, you, you could go uh, like make the make the extra step and get it. But it would be uh, very pricey. And usually, depending on the size of what you're building, it might not be the, the most worth it uh, of the type of insurance. Because like I said, it could be very pricey if there is again. And but for that, like I don't even know myself like uh, here in Puerto Escondido, most most of the things uh are not properly insured if uh, in the way that uh, I would say most people would expect, to be honest. Right, because it's also like an undeveloped region. So like this is not as modern as, as like an American city where everything is insured, right? So you got to, yeah. someone that moves here has to expect that it's going to be different at, at that level, right? Yeah, definitely. Like uh, the infrastructures are definitely like not as advanced. And this includes also for stuff like, house insurance as well right like like i say you could potentially get it especially if you're building like uh, uh half a millions and more uh projects that are worth more than half a million dollar i think that there are solutions but again they are very pricey and not exactly uh, uh let's say uh, in the range of what we're trying to build here at uh, jellyfish understood okay well thank you for that so before we finish i just wanted you to maybe Clarify with me what about uh, the the all the tax situation in regards to this? What about like capital gains tax? Pro you mentioned pro there's no property tax, but uh, but then uh, 
what what happens if you if you make a sale of your property? Is there any sales tax, property sale tax? So can you clarify all the tax situation for me, please? Yeah, definitely. Well, basically, if you uh, if you have the approach of operating, let's say your because first of all, because you need a, a company, a Mexican company, to own uh, the acta de possession to to the name of the company, which you are like ninety nine percent beneficiary. Uh, the the thing is that you're gonna need to uh, to to pay tax if you operate a business. So basically, if you're doing just like uh, you have a bunch of property and you're just doing rental property, you will have to pay uh, income uh, tax on your on your profit at the end of the year. Uh, but if you're just buying a home as an owner, and yes, you do it through a company, but you're not operating it for a business, ultimately there will be no tax uh, consequences on that on that side. And then after, for let's say you're reselling the land with the the house that is built on it, uh, because acta de possession are not considered a private property, they they are not subject to uh, to basically to capital gain tax once you resell it. But that is again, uh, that is uh, with, within a range, uh, uh, a threshold. Because if you go uh, over a certain threshold, I don't have the exact number to be honest. I, I should, I, I would have asked to my accountant. But ultimately, uh, above a certain threshold, you need to declare certain transaction, which will then make it subject to tax purposes. Uh, in, because uh, legally speaking, you are buying as a company. So this will really depend on the situation. But usually if you're just going for uh, building a tiny home for yourself and maybe rent it here and there to travelers, usually you're, you're pretty uh, safe, let's say, on the, on the tax side. It's not, a, it's not a big burden, let's say. Interesting. So uh, because it's communal land, there's just different tax implications which can be beneficial. But of course... This is all to be consulted with accountants, tax lawyers, just to make sure, yeah, because always. like you said, the, the size of the investment will will make a difference. Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Under, and also like the specific situation, right? Like uh, if you're operating it as a business or if it's more a, a house for yourself, these are also different tax implications at the end like that you're going to see with your accountant. For sure. That makes sense. Okay. So before we end, I wanted to ask you, about uh, just a general Bitcoin question, because at the end of the day, you're not only an expat, but you're a Bitcoiner. So I wanted to know yeah. what, what excites you lately in the, Bitcoin, uh, in the Bitcoin world, what new technology, new development, anything that you'd want to talk about that, you, that, that has really uh, intrigued you lately? Yeah, sure. Well, I'm not going to lie. I think uh, the, the ordinal things uh, does have some uh, negative impact, but there is also some really interesting aspect to it, uh, which uh, appeals to me uh, personally. And uh, by doing, actually by interacting uh, with that a bit, I had the chance to play a bit more with uh, Lightning, ne Lightning Network recently. And I have to be honest, like if I consider the trade-off, like when I usually, let's say, uh, convert some bit uh, some BTC, uh, BTC to stablecoin, let's say for uh, a couple of weeks of expense, for example, I think uh, ultimately like uh, even if uh, let's say Lightning Network is not 100% on-chain Bitcoin, it is still like, it, it does feel like uh, as good or at least as a stablecoin. So when I use it, I feel like it's actually really, really fast, really like seamless experience. And as someone who has been, let's say neutral or not too vocal about lightning in the past year. I have to say that it's a positive uh, user experience I have uh, had with it so far. I agree. Uh, any wallet in particular that you, you liked? 
Well, I tried with blue. I, I initially, like years ago, actually, a few, a while ago, I, I was using blue wallet for lightning network. And then uh, actually that's what I reused early, uh, like three weeks ago, but then they, they just announced uh, something about like uh, changing the way they, they're doing something with their lightning channel. So now I have tried yeah. the moon, M-U-U-N, I think, moon, yeah, moon. moon. Uh, and for what I'm using it and I need it to, uh, it's, it's good enough for me. It's going well. And I'm always looking for other suggestions and try stuff. It's always fun to, to do a bit of uh, app testing. <laughs> for sure. Well, the, the blue situation is very unfortunate. So they're, they're telling their customers to withdraw their funds because it's, it's a custodial wallet. So they, they're yeah. the ones in the, oh, at least for the lightning one. So they're, yeah, for the lightning. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Moon's very good. Phoenix is very good too. Very similar to Moon. Breeze is good too. And there's this one that I like, but it's custodial too, so it has risks, similar risk as Blue. Like, yeah, uh, it's called Bitcoin Beach. Bitcoin Beach okay. is interesting because it it shares the same balance for big BTC for on chain and Lightning, so you can receive on on chain and you can pay on Lightning, or vice oh, versa. And also because it has like a a feature called stable sats where you can just like it's like an internal stable coin so let's say i have a hundred dollars worth of bitcoin and i don't, I want to keep it in in usd i can do that directly on their wallet and then i can exchange back to bitcoin instantly without any fees but it's internal right it's not a stable coin because you cannot get it out as you yeah, it can keep uh, it there yeah but it's still useful in the end like uh, if Especially in the in the look when you if you compare with trade off of, of let's say uh, Ethereum based uh, stablecoin it, it it's it's not the same but it's still there there is a trade off and pros to both and I think uh, it's it's a good way to, to to see what kind of product people like you know like uh, do they like uh, stable sats or something else and I think it's it's good to experiment a bit in this uh, area. For sure, for sure it is. And what about the order? You mentioned the ordinals. You know, it's a very controversial topic. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I get it. You know, I, I think it's okay. Whatever, whatever Bitcoin, whatever use case someone can come up with in Bitcoin, um, I think, I think it makes sense. I think it creates block space demand. I think this market is just not one that I'm a fan personally. I'm not a hater either. I used to be a hater. I just think I, I don't I don't fully I'm who am I to say what are what the market's gonna decide, right? So if that's what people want, it's it's okay too. Yeah, but it's good you went from hater to uh, a more neutral position. So I think it's ultimately I think uh, th th this is a good uh, kind of process, right? Like not 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 everyone agrees. I think like I have already said myself, for example, that the, the art market, just the art market, forget NFTs and digital thing, just the art market itself is a scam or kind of a made-up thing. And it is, right? So people arguing against that, I think it's it's legit in a way. But I think if we look at other aspects in the fact that like, well, art does exist, whether we think uh, that market is uh, legitimate or not or overpriced or whatever, that's one thing. But like ultimately to see that the, there is a literally like kind of a modernization of way uh, to publish a kind of a visual art. Uh, it, it's really cool. Like if you compare like uh, with Ethereum based NFTs, which are basically linked to IPFS and stuff like that here with Bitcoin and the inscriptions, it's, it's literally on chain. So 
it does uh, have something uh, appealing for people who have like uh, really like uh, the ethos at art, right? Like the, the cypherpunk ethos, which is more uh, about self-custodies and all those things, right? So I think it's something uh, that is interesting, but ultimately I'm not saying that uh, Bitcoin, I, I'm not saying like I, I imagine Bitcoin would be the place to do that either, right? It's more in the sense that like when you're being told that you can't put JPEGs on Ethereum because Ethereum is a scam and then you can't put Bitcoin, uh, JPEG on Bitcoin because that's not what it meant for it. Well, that, that's the kind of thing I have an issue with, with, right? It's like, it's kind of, I just don't want you to do this at all. So this is more of an issue. But otherwise, I think uh, Ordinal is bringing, uh, like you say, a lot of... Uh, a lot of blockchain, uh, block space demand. I think like the meme pool is crazy. I've been watching for the past couple of days. It's insane, like the fees and everything. But I think it's also good for the Bitcoin economy, right? Yeah, I think it's just inevitable that block space will fill up, fees will go up. Um, whether we think it's a security, there's a security budget is required or not. Like, I just think the market, it, this is just an inevitable situation, in my opinion. And yeah. whether it's ordinals or something else that does it, uh, it it's, it's it's at the end like I can I as as an individual you can always try to 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 say like no this is what is right but in the end you don't decide the market decides uh, you can yell at the clouds but nothing's gonna happen the clouds are still there you can yell at the markets <laughs> nobody's gonna listen yeah right? that is a, that is a well a well way to phrase it to be honest like you can yell at the cloud but they're be they're gonna be there. <laughs> yeah exactly all right so thank you nice. Fred. right before we finish i just wanted to ask you um what can people expect from you for the next couple of years uh anything and you want to share on that front uh well basically uh trying to build a, a new life uh, here in puerto escondido and hopefully i can integrate uh, as much as uh, the bitcoin spirit into this uh whether it's in uh, my real estate business or just my personal life, uh, whether with friendships and other things. So it, it's really about like uh, building a little something uh, that makes us proud and, you know, like uh, having a bit more control ab about over our life, I think uh, ultimately is what uh, a lot of us are seeking for. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, well, whenever I'm available, I'm definitely going to try to come to Puerto Escondido to hang out. Uh, I also have a few friends there, so uh, I really like Puerto Escondido, but it's it's a bit far to be honest. Like we, I got yeah, yeah, like, two it planes, is. you know. Um, yeah, it it's, is. It's I a agree. bit, it's a bit like uh, segregated in terms of transport. Puerto Escondido, like it only connects to Mexico City. I don't think it, it has as in any other single connection. All right, well, it's true. Fred, uh, thank you for this. Where can people follow you? Uh, where can people like contact you for more information? Uh, yeah, basically, uh, my Twitter page is pretty much uh, where the action is going. So Prabanator is uh, at Prabanator is my uh, personal Twitter, and otherwise uh, at Jellyfish MGMT uh, for the real estate stuff. And then from there, you get the website and email and all you need to to get in touch with me and uh, and see what uh, what gets from there. Awesome. Well. For everyone, go go talk, ask Fred if you have any questions about Puerto Escondido, about acquiring land, building tiny homes, or managing your property and, and doing the, all of this with Bitcoin. Go talk to him on Twitter at uh, Pravanator or Jellyfish MGMT. Thank you, Fred. This was a great episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. 
this was the fourth episode of Bitcoin Expat Stories. For the next one, we're going to have a good friend of mine and a Bitcoin entrepreneur that's going to launch a project in Mexico. This is all I'm going to share about, but uh, please make sure to to recommend this podcast if you like it, uh, and, or just ask me if any or for like give me any feedback or ask tell me if you have any ideas of what you like to see on this podcast. Those are always welcome. Fred, thank you for this. Uh, I had a great time talking to you. I learned a lot of things. And I, I'm pretty sure everyone listening did too. Thank you, Gustavo, for having me. And uh, looking forward to come and see you in Queretaro. Likewise, man. All right. Take care. Thank you, everyone.